All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you all so much uh, for coming to this webinar today. If you're just joining, we are just about to get started. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the Michigan Municipal League Foundation's webinar on how to apply for the 2021 Bridge Builders Main Street microgrants. So today we're gonna to cover some information about the MML Foundation itself, what our goals and priorities are as an organization, and we'll cover the Bridge Builders program, talk about eligibility for the Main Street microgrants, the timeline for the entire process, and information about the application itself. We're gonna give you a look at some of the questions before the application actually launches on April 30th. At the end, we're going to have time for questions from the audience. We are utilizing the Zoom webinar platform today, so we're going to ask that you type questions into the chat box or into the Q&A section. So please feel free to send in your questions at any point during the presentation. We may cover them as we go, but if not, we'll make sure that we bring them up at the end as well. So today we'll have the MML Foundation President, Helen Davis Johnson, kicking off the presentation with more information about the MML Foundation. My name is Danielle Baird and I'm Associate Program Officer with the MML Foundation. I'll be walking through the program details um, a little bit later on. So at this point, I'm gonna turn it over to Helen to talk more about the MML Foundation. Danielle, thank you so much. Um, thanks for the introduction. And I just want to tip my hat to you and to Kristen, who's behind the scenes making this webinar work today. There's been an incredible amount of work that has gone into putting this program together. And it's exactly the kind of thing that the MML Foundation is interested in. We were founded in 1991 and we're the philanthropic arm of the Michigan Municipal League. We support innovative work, value building work that happens through partnerships, through grants, through programming, and we are really interested in things that creatively and intentionally bring people together and build community wealth. Community wealth is something we'll talk about a little bit more, and you see a really beautiful graphic here on this slide. We also provide fiscal sponsorship and project support in the over 520 league communities that are members, and Danielle will talk a little bit about how you can figure out if your community is a league member shortly. Um, but what we do with the league is we support their programming, we collaborate with the league, and then the work like the Bridge Builders microgrants complements the mission of the Michigan Municipal League. So we are talking a little bit about what community wealth is. It's what we've been taking, a, I would say, a deep dive into at the league and the foundation over the last 18 months. And it is absolutely critically important to what we're talking about with the Bridge Builder grants. We kind of define it as being the ideal end state where people and places thrive because the community possesses the knowledge, the resources, and the will that's needed to support the well-being of all residents. And we think it occurs when community leaders and partners and local residents collaborate to develop equitable, resilient, and adaptable, sustainable places that improve the human experience. There are a lot of different sectors that have to come together in order to make community wealth building possible. It is not a, it is not a solo sport, it is a team sport. And so if you'll notice on this incredible graphic that our team, our design team created, you see several different sectors represented, arts and culture, economy, infrastructure, environment, health and well-being, and lifelong learning. But we believe that at the core of those things, is trust and belonging. And in fact, that is really what we're looking at creating with you as partners, 
through the Bridge Builders micro grants, the Main Street micro grants here that you are part of today. And we hope that the work that you do begins to build trust. We don't think trust happens because you talk about it. We think trust happens when people lock arms on initiatives and they work together. And in turn, that begins to develop a sense of belonging and community. Without those key factors, none of these other things are possible and we can't begin to solve for the big problems that we are all looking at in our communities. But Michigan has so much potential to be one of the primary states in the country showing what it looks like for communities to be successful. And that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about micro grants today. And with that, I will hand it back to Danielle. Thank you so much, Helen. So to dive into a little bit more about what the Bridge Builders micro grants are, um, as Helen said, you know, we are really looking at trying to create those preconditions for community wealth building through starting with um, the strengthening those social and cultural connections at the community level that build trust and belonging. So last year we launched this as a pilot program where we gave out seven $500 micro grants to um, community members across the state who were engaging their, their, their neighbors in um, just in activities that were helping people stay connected despite the social distancing while still staying, staying safe. Um, and really celebrating those positive things in their community, despite all of the, uh, the turmoil that we were experiencing throughout the year. And so what these grants really did were, was that they um, fostered a sense of civic engagement and also a sense of agency um, at the local level. So that sense of agency, that belief that as individuals and as communities, our actions can influence the course of our lives and our communities, that what we do matters. So who are bridge builders? We define bridge builders as people who intentionally and creatively bring people together across divides to celebrate our shared humanity and the places that we call home. Last year's bridge builders grantees were parents, grandparents, teachers, and everyday people who had a good idea to address needs in their community related to the pandemic, as well as the uprisings over racial injustice in our country and wanted to make a difference. Many of them did not have formal titles in their community like elected or appointed officials. Um, they really were um, everyday citizens that were um, that had a really good idea and we gave them a little bit of money to make something happen. So this year we are actually going to be offering two categories for funding. So expanding on the pilot program that we did last year, the Bridge Builders Neighborhood Microgrants invite Michigan residents to imagine a future for their communities where trust and belonging thrive, where individuals' well-being is valued, and diversity and culture are, are celebrated community assets. Communities can go a lot farther when residents are engaged, take initiative to tackle challenges, and have a sense of agency in their lives and in their communities. This year, we're going to be offering at least 10 $500 grants across the state to individuals, groups of residents, and community organizations. We did host a webinar yesterday on the neighborhood microgrants um, category with more details on that. So if anybody is interested, those will be posted on our website at www.mmlfoundation.org grants. Those should be up within the next couple of days. Today, we're gonna to spend time talking about the Main Street microgrants. And again, this webinar is going to be recorded and the same thing, we will be posting the recording of this webinar on our website. So this category this year has been funded by the DTE Energy Foundation. It's enabling us to give out four $5,000 grants across Michigan for a total of $20,000 in funding 
And this program is intended for small businesses and artists to collaborate on projects that will result in real economic gain for local businesses, artists, and residents while strengthening social connections and physically transforming communities. We recognize that local businesses and artists are critical to the social and cultural fabric of any community. And we also know that businesses and artists have all struggled quite significantly during the pandemic. This is going to be a way to invite residents back downtown, back to those main streets um, to support local businesses and try to figure out what this new normal looks like. So this year is a really a pilot program for the Main Street microgrants. We did not offer this uh, category of funding last year. So this year we are really testing the waters with these dollars from the DTE Energy Foundation. So because of that, we are limiting the scope somewhat in terms of geographic location. And though we aren't able to hit every area of the state this year, um, it's absolutely our intent to expand next year and focus on the areas that are not eligible this year. We intend for them to be eligible next year. So where is that at? So Michigan Municipal League member communities in the Upper Peninsula, in West Michigan, in Southeast Michigan, and the Northern Lower Peninsula are eligible this year. If you're not sure if your community is a Michigan Municipal League member community, we have a really handy list that I'm actually gonna ask if um, one of my colleagues can drop that into the chat for us so that everybody can see that. Um, it, we have a link that will allow you to look at the full list of members in Michigan. So who is able to apply for this grant? This year, what we're looking at doing is asking groups of businesses and artists to collaborate on a project. We're asking that at least three businesses come together to collaborate. Um, and we're asking that they kind of be within a four block radius of one another so that we can concentrate that $5,000 investment into one um, relatively small area so that we're able to really maximize the investment that's made there. Additionally, um, you can be a small business or you can be an artist and apply. Additionally, if you're interested in working with your downtown development authority or your local chamber of commerce, commercial associations, corridor improvement districts, um, those are other organizations that could potentially apply um, for these dollars as well. Sometimes it can be really helpful to have a downtown development authority or a chamber of commerce that can help to be that convener and that um, one who brings the local businesses together to apply for this and, and work on projects. So to give you a map here of what we're looking at, we've based this on the Michigan Prosperity Region Initiative, which is kind of the state's way of dividing the state up into, the state of Michigan's way of dividing the whole state up into regions um, that are, can be kind of more manageable for different departments, but it also can apply to a lot of other things here. So the Upper Peninsula, that region of course, includes the entire Upper Peninsula. Northern Lower Michigan, the Northern uh, part of the Lower Peninsula includes Prosperity Regions 2 and 3, which you can see on the map here. The West Michigan region includes Prosperity Region 4. And then Southeast Michigan includes Prosperity Regions 9 and 10. I'm going to give a high-level overview of this timeline, and then we'll kind of uh, explain each of the steps in more detail. So from April 30th, which is next Friday, through May 31, we are going to have applications open for both grant categories. Once applications close, there's going to be an internal review. 
um, just to select those um, semifinalists for a public voting round. And the public voting round is going to launch right in the middle of June and will last for two weeks. Once voting is closed, an external review committee made of panelists from across the state that work in philanthropy, business, and local government will select 10 finalists in, uh, I'm sorry, will select four finalists in mid-July, one for each of those regions. Winners are gonna be notified, and so long as they all accept and are still planning on moving forward with their projects, we're going to move forward with payments and announcement. It's in um, late July, early August. So again, the applications are gonna be open from April 30th through May 31st, and there is gonna be a separate application for each category. So when you go to mmlfoundation.org slash grants on April 30th, there are gonna be two different buttons. There will be one that uh, will link out to the neighborhood microgrant application. The other will link to the main street microgrant application. So let's talk through a little bit what make, of what makes a good project. Um, one thing that we want to stress is that, you know, while we are well on our way, hopefully to herd immunity in Michigan through vaccination, we strongly encourage everybody to get their vaccines. Um, and by the time that implementation rolls around, we will hopefully be hitting that, uh, that herd immunity level in Michigan. But please be certain that you take precautions for COVID-19. Just be safe. But other things that make a good project. Demonstrating that this is a project that, uh, that the community actually wants, that this is a really community-driven bottom-up approach rather than a top-down approach. Um, additionally, something that has, uh, that has impact on the community, both immediate and long-term, something that is inclusive, um, a project that unifies people, and a project that, uh, that celebrates local arts, culture, um, small businesses, and the things that make your community unique. So forming your application team. We are asking that at least three or more locally owned businesses within a four block radius of one another, as well as one local artist collaborate on this project. And again, this can include your downtown development association, your commercial associations, um, chamber of commerce, any kind of commercial association that you have in your area. Uh, absolutely feel free to partner up with them as well. They are eligible to apply for the funding. And then looking at the semifinalists. So of those four regions that I listed earlier, we are gonna be selecting four semifinalists from each region that will go to a public voting round. So the public voting round is really meant to be um, a, a fun way for the community to get involved and show their support for the project. Votes are going to be allowed once per day per person. We highly encourage people to spread the word on social media and the MML Foundation is going to have posts on Facebook and Twitter that can be shared um, with links to the voting page. So let's talk a little bit about how projects are going to be scored because if there is a public voting round, how is that going to be factored in? Um, we have uh, decided that we are going to weight the votes and this is how we did this last year as well. Um, we just wanna clarify that voting is not the sole determinant of the winners and votes are going to be weighted based on the size of the community. That's going to ensure that smaller communities can compete with the larger communities. Um, but what the votes will tell the external selection committee is that people in your community see a need for your project and wanna see it succeed. 
Additionally, the other categories for scoring include innovation and creativity. So what we're looking for is a project that distinguishes says that distinguishes itself from others, something that's original and innovative and creative, something that demonstrates a new way of thinking and meets a current or emerging need in the community, and something that people are going to find engaging. The next category that we're going to be scoring on is community impact. So we wanna see something that's gonna have a clear impact both now and in the future. So something that engages people um, in activities that are contagious and transformative. Something that a project that would not score well in this category is something that feels contrived. Something that feels like a project is being done to a community versus with a community. Um, something that's more of a one-off rather than something that's maybe a little bit more long lasting. And then um, the third category that we're going to be scoring on are um, projects that address equity issues in their community. So it's helpful to show a really clear understanding of community dynamics and inequities. So a really good project would directly bring together groups in the community that may not normally interact or that you know are maybe experiencing tension in the community to, to generate deeper understanding among them. And then in addition to the votes, of course, we have overall feasibility. So we want to just want to see that your project plan is well thought out um, and that show us that, you know, give us no doubt that you will be able to execute on your project based on your application. Um, you know, if you have, if you submit a project plan that's not very realistic, um, then, you know, that's something where it's gonna score lower in that category. So another thing that we need to be thinking about here for applications. So um, one of the requirements for the Main Street microgrants is that applicants are going to be required to secure a letter of support from their local unit of government. We wanna make sure that you're collaborating with, um, whether it's your city manager's office or local elected body, your planning department, just to make sure that everything is being done um, uh, on the up and up really. So many projects will require some kind of permit. So for example, if you need to shut down the street or if there will be any kind of um, permanent art installation or even a temporary art installation, um, usually it's going to require some kind of permitting from the city and um, we're going to ask that you start talking with your local planning and zoning staff now or your local um, city manager or city administrator they can really help you navigate that process once people make it to the semi-final stage the mml foundation is absolutely willing to help kind of consult and help you walk through that process a little bit because not everybody is very used to um, to working with the city for securing permits and things like that So next, let's dive into the application questions a little bit here. So we're gonna be asking that you establish a point of contact for your application. So if we have any questions um, or if we wanna notify you of the status of your application, we'd like to work with one person directly um, that we can send all of our communications to. And we're also just gonna ask for basic information from all of your project partners. So just, you know, of the three businesses that are part of your application team and the artist, um, we're just going to be asking for name, um, the location of where they're at, um, if they've got any kind of uh, website, just things like that, a little bit of information to tell us who's on your team. So the questions about the project themselves. So the project summary, how would you describe your project to someone? All of these application questions are quite brief, I should say that, um, no more than like 500 characters for any one of these um, questions. 
So what we're asking you to do is describe your project um, to us. So if you were to be talking with somebody about your idea, how would you describe it to them? Who would you tell them is involved? Um, you know, what your plans are, when you want it to happen, things like that. And then next, what outcomes do you hope to achieve through this project? That's where we're going to ask you to kind of demonstrate that, that impact for, of your project. And then what resources do you already have to make this project successful? So that can be things like, let's say you have another funder, like your local community foundation who's interested in um, contributing funds to this or some other donor that may be interested in contributing funds to your project. It could be donated time, it could be donated space, um, really anything, donated project materials, things like that. So we wanna hear about that. That also helps us kind of determine that feasibility as well. We're also gonna give you the chance to submit some before photos. So if you're gonna be engaging in a project that is, uh, you know, that is going to involve some kind of art installation, show us like what that space looks like before the art installation so we can see the before and after if it's funded. So at this point, we're gonna open it up to questions. Um, before we do though, I do wanna actually drop one other link in the chat that will, um, Give you some examples because I wanted to mention that this project here is sorry I'm just dropping the link in the chat right now this project that we're working on this year the bridge builders micro grants are um, really based on the the irrigate model out of St. Paul Minnesota and to tell you a little bit more about that project what was going on there is they were working on a transit um, construction project that in the end was going to be a really positive thing for the community um, the only issue is that in the meantime, the construction was going to be really disruptive to local business activity. Um, so what they did is they engaged artists to work with um, to work with businesses on collaborative, interactive projects that were taking place right on the street. Um, and so that was attracting people back to that main commercial corridor, despite all of the construction, despite all of that. People were coming back, and it really flipped the script on that negative impact that construction was having on the community. What it did is it really turned it into an incredible positive experience. So I'm gonna take a look at questions here in the chat. And I see a question here about um, if you are a DDA, if you are a DDA, do you still need to partner with local businesses? Yes, please. Um, if you are a DDA, we want you to partner and talk with your members, talk with the local businesses before you apply. It will be required that you list the businesses that you are partnering with, at least three of them that you are partnering with in your application. And then I see a question about Niles, Michigan. I would need to double check if I don't believe Niles, Michigan is in the um, in the regions that we are looking at for this year, but again, we do intend to um, open up eligibility next year. Let's see, just looking in the chat for additional ones. 
Um, another question here about having the artist chosen prior to applying. Yes, please. Um, we would love to see the artist's work um, prior to applying. Just a little bit more about what it is that they plan to do. Um, they should be an integral part of the application process. Let's see, and then I see here. Let's see, and then there's a question, does an early submission serve any benefit or should we uh, just be sure to make the deadline? Just making the deadline, there's no need to, um, this is not like a first come first serve kind of thing. Um, so. Danielle, I may jump in as well mm -hmm. because there's a question here on sharing our expectations regarding the artists. Um, mm -hmm. it says, who and the what you envision them doing? And I would just say that in our experience working with small businesses and artists previously, um, the sky's the limit here. Um, we're really hoping mm -hmm. that there will be a lot of creativity, a lot of brainstorming that's very specific to your place. Um, that's one reason for bringing artists and small businesses together. We think that both of them have um, incredible value, social and cultural and economic value in communities. And we would like that brainstorming to take place um, between you and them. You know, it can be just about anything. I've seen construction fencing with stained glass in it. I've seen Zumba taking place in parking lots, performances, um, placemaking. There is, honestly, the sky's the limit here. We would like you to just be creative and, um, and really have a partnership there. So we do think that partnership is more than just, um, you know, one business and one artist. We are asking at least three businesses to work together. There's a question about that as well. And then work with an artist is certainly not limited to one artist, but at least one artist. So we wanna see collaboration and partnership take place here um, in a way to lift up local assets that is a little bit different than just sort of plugging the hole. We know that local businesses are suffering and we would like to sort of use this as an opportunity to try some things and pilot some things with you that we think might, as Danielle said earlier, flip the script on some of what COVID has done to businesses. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I see a question about the deadline for the project to take place. So we're asking that all projects be, that actually implementation happens this year. So once funds are received and distributed in late July, early August, um, the, the grant recipients are gonna have until the end of November to execute on their projects. Um, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we need to be flexible. So if people do run into roadblocks then we can certainly be flexible on extending deadlines, but we really do intend for the projects that we intend for people to be applying for projects that are going to take place this year, um, kind of late summer and then into fall of this year. Danielle, there's a question here from Albion, which I know is close to your heart. So I'll read it to you and let you handle this one. And then we can talk about the budget because there's another question about budget, but they're asking about bike racks um, by the involved businesses designed and painted by artists and whether or not that would be eligible to draw residents um, back to the downtown area and the kids museum. And my sense is that that's within the scope, but I'd love to hear your opinion, so. Yeah, absolutely. I would say a project like that is within the scope. Um, the only thing is I will say that Albion is not in the eligibility regions this year, um, but be on the lookout for next year's program. Um, but yes, a project like that would be would certainly be eligible, I would say. The thing I will add too is that we are open to expanding the footprint this mm -hmm. year if we receive 
additional funding for that. So we are we are still sort of beating the bushes, bringing on new partners as we can. So if there is any way that we can expand the footprint this year, we certainly will. But as Danielle said, we are intentional about trying to make sure that next year we cover different territories. Yeah. Um, and budgets are always important with applications. We see this as a stepping stone to other applications. So we are requiring a budget. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then just to make sure the DDA would need to include additional businesses and artists in order to apply. Um, that was another question that just came in and the answer to that is yes. So your application team really should include at least three businesses, at least one artist, and then um, if a DDA wants to be involved in the mix, a DDA chamber commercial association wants to be involved as well, then they absolutely can be. Um, and just know that you have to have at least uh, three businesses and at least one artist. And there's a question if we could repeat the eligible areas. Absolutely. We can uh, flip back through the presentation here. And while you're doing that, Danielle, I'll just reiterate that these, the map and the list of areas will be available on the foundation's <laughs> website following this webinar. Yep, absolutely. So the Upper Peninsula, which is going to be all of the Upper Peninsula, is one of our regions. West Michigan, which that corresponds with Prosperity Region 4. Um, over on the west side of the state here, it's that kind of like pink color on the screen that you see. The other region is Southeast Michigan, which corresponds with uh, Prosperity Regions 9 and 10. And then the last region is the Northern Lower Peninsula. So what we sometimes refer to as above the knuckles on the mitten, um, prosperity regions two and three. So Daniel, there's another question here. It says, we are working with an art gallery and numerous local artists to bring a community center, but the village and township are leading the program. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think my question back to this um, individual would be whether or not there are businesses involved with this and a business could play a leadership role in being the application or the applicant for this grant. So without knowing that, it's a, it's a little bit tough to answer the question in my opinion. Yeah, let's see here. You know, when I think about a project like that, and again, I want to say too, if you're if you do have any questions about this, you can email us at grants.mml.org. Um, we're always happy to talk through this with people. The point of doing these webinars um, and making ourselves available to answer questions is to make sure that we can help you um, put together a, a good application. We want to see really good applications come through with this. So if you want to talk through some ideas, um, we can absolutely do that. I see that the contact email is just dropped into the chat. Um, when we think about something like a community center, if the village and the township are leading the program, the village and the township themselves are not eligible to receive the dollars. Um, but the other thing we really, again, like Helen said, we really wanna emphasize is drawing traffic back to our locally owned businesses, um, as well as supporting artists. So if you can figure out maybe some kind of collaboration in there too, around the idea of the community center, um, then there's certainly some, some room for there too. Let's see, and then I see a question here about besides support from local government, do we need an official public hearing? 
Um, I believe that that's probably going to be dependent on your project and dependent on um, your community's local ordinances. And then I also saw that somebody was looking for maybe some more examples um, of projects. And what I'm actually going to do is pull up that link um, that we were talking about, the Irrigate Project out of St. Paul, Minnesota, to show you some ideas. One thing I will say is that you see in our community wealth building example, while Daniel's pulling this up, I'll just speak to this, that there is um, a paintbrush and a calligraphy pen. Um, it by no means represents the sort of breadth and width of what we see as the arts um, and creative expression in communities. So the way that the Irrigate Project, which you know we know well and respect all of the work that they did, they defined artist as being, it could be someone who was known by a New York gallery or someone who was known by their mother as being an artist or anyone in between. And so the projects that took place there and that we've seen take place in collaboration with small businesses elsewhere really do run the gambit. There are visual artists, there are performance artists, there are musical artists, there are, um, interior design artists there. I mean, you can kind of just imagine what you've got in your community. And if you have a dream or the beginning of a dream, often bringing an artist in at the front end of that is, is an incredible opportunity that makes something happen that no one would have ever expected. And that sort of celebratory unexpected aspect of this is um, part of what we wanna support you in doing. Let's see here. And we will make sure that a link is also available on our website. Yep. Let's see another question. Will Region 7 be available for this opportunity anytime in the near future? Um, if we are able to secure more funding, then we will absolutely open this up to more regions um, this year. But again, that's dependent on additional funding. Um, but if we uh, are not able to, then we certainly um, will be opening up eligibility next year. Any other additional questions? I'm looking for some good examples online to share with you all, but really what we're kind of looking at are um, sort of community-driven events that happen downtown. Um, Helen, should we maybe talk through a couple of those examples from Springboard for the Arts? Sure. Um, so I think I mentioned earlier, and I'll just say this again, that, and Danielle talked about the fact that the Green Line, the six-mile light rail, was going to be running through the middle of St. Paul, through these neighborhoods that had already seen incredible devastation from an interstate that had been built a little farther over, but about 10 years earlier. So there was the, the kind of bad press that we're seeing right now because of the pandemic maybe doesn't parallel exactly this sort of level of bad press that these businesses were generating and seeing, but everyone was up in arms about this. And so the collaborations that took place because Springboard for the Arts worked with the city of St. Paul, they trained artists to come in and we've got curriculums that we're going to be posting on our web website that offer ideas for artists and business collaborations. But 
to work together and just sort of to imagine like what's going to bring people back? What's going to make people brave, like getting in their car and coming down to an area that's just rife with construction? They're going to have to navigate those terrible orange cones that all of us hate traveling around. Where are they going to park? All those questions that go through your mind. And so the, the one about construction fencing, which was everywhere, sort of blew me away because this business that had construction, this ugly stuff all over the front of their building, worked with an artist to make this incredible stained glass design. And I don't know that they used real glass, but I think they used some sort of a plexi and they used these different colors of plexiglass all over the construction fencing and did this beautiful stained glass window, so to speak, that was outside the business. You know, and as I said, there were, you know, someone created a huge furry dog. And I think they were a theater artist who made this suit that someone could get in and this black dog would dance around in front of the business and dance with kids. And it was just, there were musicians, but beautiful things. None of them were the same. It wasn't just doing a chalk. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with chalk art, but it wasn't just doing a chalk mural on the sidewalk. It was very engaging work that represented the creativity of the artists and then really made people want to come to the business. Um, and then what we found is that businesses often then said, yeah, this, this is like very different. It's marketing, but it's also, it's using the creative people and leveraging the incredible talent in our community in a new way. And we think that again, small businesses, local small businesses and artists are just invaluable assets in any community. They're sort of the naturally occurring assets. And we know that this is an opportunity to really elevate that story. We wanna help you tell our story or your story. And we've got our communications team on the ready for whoever ends up being partners in this program so that we can help you tell your story about the incredible creativity and value building that you're doing in your community. So we don't wanna limit this again to like just chalk art or painting or hanging like something on the wall. We want you to really push outside into the sidewalks, into the street. That's why we're talking about permitting. You know, do something that's going to make people go, how did they do that? That's incredible. And, and have fun. Celebrate. You know, it's, it is, it's been a heavy time lately. And we need some more reasons to come together safely and celebrate. And this can be an opportunity to do that. In addition to that, um, I've actually also posted a link to a YouTube video that was all about this Springboard for the Arts um, Irrigate Project in St. Paul, Minnesota. So to put some visuals with all of the amazing things that Helen just described there, if you want to like see what that kind of looked like, um, there's a really good video in there um, that you can take a look at as well. And again, the sky's the limit. We really don't want to limit thinking too much on, on, uh, on what it is that you might apply to do. Daniel, we lost your sound. Just Sorry then. about that. <laughs> Are there any additional questions that we could answer? Um, if you have any more questions, please just put them in the chat. Let's see, I do see a question about posting the project with the construction and stained glass in the chat. 
Um, let's see here. I think that that one can be found if you download the Irrigate Toolkit from that link that I sent, um, that we put in the chat earlier. Um, that actually has some pictures of what that looks like. Danielle, thank you so much for all of this incredible information. All right, thank you. And again, if anybody has questions, please email us at grants at mml.org and we can absolutely help answer any other additional questions that people might have. Um, and then also uh, check out the website at mmlfoundation.org slash grants. There's gonna be more information on there and coming in the next few days and applications are gonna be live at that link um, on April 30th. Thank you all so much for your time today. This has been a production of the Michigan Municipal League. For more information on our programs and services, please visit www.mml.org and join us for the next episode of We Love Where You Live.